Well, good morning. If you weren't here last week, we just started a new series last week where we're looking at prayers of Jesus or instructions of Jesus on prayer. And we looked at the Lord's Prayer last week, and this week we're looking at the, the story of Lazarus and the prayer of Jesus in the story of Lazarus. Apart from the fact that if you were listening to the reading that Ruth gave us, there really wasn't uh, an audible prayer that we heard of Jesus. We, we get the aftermath of the prayer. And I'm really excited about that. So I'm going to talk to you today about the prayer that Jesus has with God that's not written down in the text. Which means I can say whatever I want. It's all a, it's all a bit of assumption, really. No, it's not. But, so let's look at the context of the, the story that we got today. So Jesus has been going on his journey around Galilee. He's been, he's been talking to people about the kingdom of God and, and telling them about the fact that God's kingdom is, is, is close at hand. And he's been healing people. And some, some people come to him and say to Jesus, and we told this in John's, early on in John chapter 9 and 10, that Lazarus, one of your really good friends, is dying. He's not just ill, he is really ill. And they say to him, please come. And Jesus doesn't. He carries on doing what he's doing, even though Lazarus and Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, really close to him, you know, he gets this call, he carries on doing what he's doing. And when eventually he arrives at Bethany, He's told it's too late. Lazarus is dead. He's dead and he's been buried for a few days. And we get the shortest verse in the Bible just before our reading. In John 11 and verse 35, we get these words. Jesus wept. And then we get our reading that we get this morning. So let's just go through that, that reading again. And let me tell you what I think is happening and what we can work out from the text and what, what's not written down. So we hear the fact, the words that Jesus wept. And then we know that he then talked to his heavenly father. He then chatted to God, what we call that prayer. He just communicated from his heavenly father. And I believe definitely that, that Jesus heard back from God and God told him, go and bring Lazarus back to life. Go and bring him out of the tomb. Bring him back to life. Because that's why in verse 39 he says, take away the stone. And then in verses 41 and 42, he says to God, but really to those around him, let me explain what's been happening. To paraphrase what he says, he says, I've been chatting to God and he's heard me and now I'm going to do what God's told me to do. And he says that for the benefit of those who didn't know that he'd been chatting to God and God had told him what was going to happen. And then he shouts, a bit like Ruth did. That's what it says. I looked it up in the, in the Greek. He cries out, he shouts, he declares... Lazarus, come out! 
And he does. So that's the, that's the story and that's the kind of prayer that we're looking at this morning. And I've just got four quick things to tell you about with regards to that prayer. First thing is I want to say, it says that when Jesus was teaching those about what had happened, he says to them, God always hears. I thank you, Father, that you always hear. Now bear in mind, that's not the end of that little piece there. God always hears. He doesn't always respond the way we want. And we don't always hear his response. What do I mean by that? Well, I read a book many years ago by, by a guy called Paul Yongi Chow. This book was called Prayer Key to Revival. And it's a fantastic book. I want to encourage any of you and all of you to buy it and read it. I would hold it up in my hand, but I lent it to someone and I never got it back. Right? You can pick it up on, on eBay or Amazon for two or three quid. Paul Yongi Chow is the, 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 he's now the, the emeritus pastor of the Yongi Full Gospel Church in South Korea. He established this thing called Prayer Mountain back in the 1980s. And, and normally at any point in time, they had 100,000 people praying at any point in time, 24-7, in his church. He's an astonishing guy. They have eight services on a Sunday. If you fancy that. Fancy leading them, Ben, eight in a row. They start at half past six in the morning so they can fit them all in. Two hours at a, at a time. And in this book, Prayer Key to Revival, he said this. He said, when I prepare to pray in my church in, North, in South Korea, I have to spend 30 minutes clearing the spiritual atmosphere so I can hear from God. He said, but when I pray in the West, I have to spend three or four hours in prayer to clear the spiritual atmosphere so that I can hear from God. Have you got any comprehension about what he's talking about? I'll say it again. He is so spiritually attuned to what's going on around about him that he spends three or four hours in prayer before he preaches so that he knows he can hear from God. Ephesians chapter 6 says this in verse 12. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and against the powers and against the authorities in the spiritual realms, in the unseen realms. There's a battle going on right now that the demons and the devil are waging to try and prevent you hearing from God. Let me tell you a story from Daniel chapter 10. If you haven't read Daniel chapter 10, take it down in your notes and go home and read it. In Daniel chapter 10, we get told this story. God sends an angel to tell Daniel something. Three weeks later, 
21 days later, the angel arrives at Daniel and says to Daniel, I'm really sorry that I was delayed, Daniel, but en route, I had a spiritual battle with the angel, which he calls the Prince of Persia. And he prevented me getting to you with the message that God wanted you to hear. And he then says, I called upon the archangel Michael to come and help me in this battle. And Michael released me from the battle and I got through. But it took me 21 days. Have you any understanding that you hearing from God is not a neutral situation? The devil and his demons do not want you to hear from God. You know, this morning I was preaching at the 915 service and I was sat in that second front row and I was making a minor adjustment to my sermon, which I had on my laptop I try not print it out anymore to save the environment. And I was typing it and I charged it up fully last night, left it plugged in. And as I was typing it, my computer crashed. I couldn't open it. It was dead. And 20 seconds later, I had to get up and preach. I had no access to my notes. And I just had to stand up and preach. So the 915 service, who knows, but they got it without my notes. And as I sat down, I thought to myself, God, the devil does not want people to hear what you've got to get them to hear this morning. And he will get involved in spiritual warfare to prevent you hearing from God. Do not think that does not happen. I was chatting to Karen Lewis just after the service, and he said he used to worship at St. Michael the Belfry. And David Watson, the renowned David Watson, said whenever he was doing a big event, he would say to him, please keep praying for me. He knew he was being attacked by the devil and his angels because it's not a neutral situation. So what I'm saying here is don't be naive. There is somebody that doesn't want you to hear from God. But God always hears us. Jesus tells us that in this passage. I thank you, God, that you always hear me. But we need to go into battle to make sure we spend the time before the Father on our knees so that we have clear channels of communication. Okay, my other three points are a lot shorter. Second point is, Jesus was considerate of those around him. He heard from God. He knew what God wanted him to say. But instead of just doing it, he remained very humble and he explained to those around him in our reading what was happening. He'd heard from God, he was going to do something and he brought everybody else into the situation. And I want to encourage you if you are somebody and you've heard from God and you're going to act on it, to make sure that you don't get all pompous and full of pride, that you remain humble and explain to people what is happening. Bring God into bring people into the supernatural experience. Explain to them what God is doing through you before you go and get involved in it, just like Jesus did. 
Remain humble even when you're declaring the supernatural through God. And then the third point is this. Jesus just declared healing. He spoke to God. God said to him, go and raise Lazarus. So he said to him, remove the stone. And then he said the words that were uh, just said out to us. Lazarus, come forth. I tend to find that when I'm praying for miracles, I have a tendency, which I try and prevent myself from, of going into a kind of begging and pleading situation. Please, God, do this. God, we beg of you. We humbly beseech you. You never find that in the New Testament. Jesus has heard from God and declares God's word, declares healing. The disciples, and every single time, declare healing. Peter and John, you know, went to pray. They meet a lame man. We're told that beginning of Acts. The lame man says, give me money. And Peter says, can't give you money. But in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Declaration is the methodology. Now, I wrote a whole booklet on this, which we use, we've used in the church for the past 10 years, about how we pray, why we pray, what we do, what we don't do. So you can ask Matthew and get an email to you, or he, Matthew's got copies. But if you want more information on that, there's an eight-page booklet, which we've used for, for many years in the church. But get into the habit of hearing from God and declaring his values. We sometimes do it with confidence when we've heard from God. We sometimes do it with faith when we haven't fed, heard from God, but we know his values. We know his will for, for us. Final point. People always like it when the speaker says final point, don't they? <laughs> don't miss a key thing in this story, in this uh, this prayer situation. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jesus heard from God, acted on it, and Lazarus was raised from the dead. This is not theory this morning. I'm not giving you a history lesson. I'm giving you a practical instruction about Christianity. Christianity is a supernatural religion. We believe in a supernatural God who gets involved in people's lives supernaturally. And we pray for that on an ongoing basis, on all kinds of healing. And when we do that, we practically and positively impact people's lives. I'm going to show you a video for five minutes of a, a, an event that took place in the last decade and it got reported on the news. And this is from uh, CBN News. And it's a man who gets involved in raising somebody from the dead. And I want to listen to you about what the man does and what he says and see how it mimics our story this morning. So let's just listen to the, the video, Joe. 
It was the morning of September 20th, 2006. Jeff Markin recalls heading for work as usual. What he doesn't remember is driving himself to the hospital. He had called his boss and told him he didn't feel well. His boss was concerned and convinced Jeff to go to the emergency room. Somehow Jeff made it. As he got there, he collapsed. Dr. Chauncey Crandall was doing rounds in the intensive care unit that morning. An alert call came over the PA system uh, that someone had arrived at the hospital with a massive deadly heart attack. And then a second call uh, went out over the PA system and specifically asked for me because I was the cardiologist on that day. When I arrived there, it was like a war zone. It was like being in battle. It was chaos. Everyone there fighting to keep this man alive. The ER staff worked on Jeff for 40 minutes. They shocked him a dozen times. Despite their efforts, there was no response. Once Dr. Crandall decided the team had done everything possible, he called the time of death. While a nurse prepared Jeff's body for the morgue, Dr. Crandall updated the charts. Well, as soon as my note was completed, I walked out through the door to this emergency room. I heard this voice say, turn around and pray for that man. And I wanted to ignore that voice because I said to myself, how can I pray for that man? He's dead. He's gone. There's no life in him. So I kept walking and the voice came back again. And the voice said, turn around and pray for that man. And I stopped and I thought to myself, I need to honor the Lord. So I turned around at the doorway and I walked to the side of the body and the nurse was on the other side of the body and she's looking at me like, what are you doing? Why are you here? And I stood there next to that corpse and I opened my mouth. And these words came out, Father God, I cry out for this man's soul. If he does not know you as his Lord and Savior, Father, raise him from the dead now in Jesus' name. I remember staring at bright lights and they were swirling around. Out of those uh, bright lights uh, came an image. And he told me that he was there to look over me and make sure that everything was going to be fine. And the other doctor walked in the room and I pointed to him. I said, shock this man one more time. And he looked at me and said, Dr. Crandall, we can't shock him. He's dead. There's no life in him. He's gone. And I said, for me, shock him one more time. And that doctor, out of respect and honor for me, went over to that body with those defibrillator paddles and put his paddles on that patient and shocked him, shocked Jeff. And immediately an instant heartbeat came back. Instant, perfect, regular, which we've never seen before. And the nurse screamed, what have you done? And this perfect heartbeat came back. And then suddenly this abdomen started moving and started breathing. And then a couple moments later, the fingers started twitching. They immediately moved Jeff to the intensive care unit. Three days later, Jeff woke up with no evidence of brain or organ damage. 
once I, I woke up, my daughter Jillian was there, and that's when she told me what had happened. When I came in Monday morning, Jeff was sitting up in bed, and I said, where, where were you that day that I prayed for you in the emergency room? And he said, Dr. Crandall, I was in total darkness, and I was so disappointed. And I said, Jeff, what were you disappointed about? He said, I was alone for eternity. He asked me at that time if I was willing to accept God, my life, and into my heart. I just opened my arms and accepted God. Uh, it was just a very emotional time. I, you know, I remember you know, crying <laughs> in his arms. Today, Jeff is back at work and gets regular checkups with Dr. Crandall. He still has no heart problems or residual complications from his brush with death. To know what I had gone through and uh, to be so fortunate, and uh, that's been part of, I guess, my uh, daily battle is why me? Why have I been <clears throat> so fortunate uh, to have God shine on me? Uh, I guess a second time. This day that I prayed for Jeff was a day of very little faith. It wasn't one of my big God days. And when I walked into that emergency room, to tell you the truth, I didn't want to stay in prayer. He wasn't a man of faith. It wasn't his regular habit. But you heard from God, and he acted. And Jeff, who was raised in the dead, said, why me? I'll tell you why him. Because a Christian heard from God and acted. And not only did he save Jeff's life, he saved Jeff's eternal life. Because surprise, surprise, Jeff was open to becoming a Christian and accepting Jesus as his saviour. You know, that story is not a one-off. It is not a one-off. I've got a book here called Miracles and Manifestations of the Holy Spirit Throughout Church History. And it records hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of occasions throughout church history where God has intervened supernaturally to heal people and to raise them from the dead. I'm going to read you one very quick story. Um, this is about the life of Saint, Saint Dominic. And Saint Dominic raised loads of people from the dead. Loads of people from the dead. And this is one little story. There's loads of them recorded. But here's one. It's written in Old English. Uh, because it's recorded from an ancient text. The nephew of Cardinal Stephen, whose name was Neapolian, being thrown from his horse, had his neck broke and was killed. Saint Dominic, going to the spot of the accident, prayed thrice, saying the same words, then taking the young man by the hand, he said with a loud voice, Neapolian, I say unto you, in the name of Christ, arise. Forthwith, he arose 
And Saint Dominic led him to his uncle. Just one of hundreds of stories that I could read you from church history of a man, so like Jesus' story there, chatted to God, prayed to God, and then declared God's will, and that man arose. I want to challenge you this morning. This isn't primarily about your faith. It's about your desire to carry out God's will. To hear from God and then follow through once you've heard from God. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't heal every sick person around in that that area. But every time he declared healing, the person was healed. Hear from God and carry out what God says. We worship a supernatural God. Christianity is a supernatural religion. And in conclusion this morning, I want to encourage you to take on the battle of hearing from God and then acting on that knowledge with whatever faith that you have. Explain to those around you what's going on and then give God the glory. In that story of St. Dominica and in the video, they both use the same words. In the name of Jesus Christ, arise. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise from the dead. God's power working through us. We worship a God of miracles. And I want to just pray this morning. And I want to pray for each of us. And then we're going to have some time of worship. And if you would like to be prayed for, for faith, for the ability to hear stronger from God, if you want to just step out in faith, then I'll be at the back and so will Ben and so will a couple of others from the prayer ministry team. But let me just pray for you now. God, I thank you, God, that you are the God of miracles. Waymaker, miracle worker. That is who you are. And I thank you, Lord, that you allow us to engage in your ministry with you. Your ministry, Missio Deo, God, your ministry. And you allow us to engage with it. Lord, I pray for each person here this morning that knows you. That they will take up the challenge of hearing from you. And working your power in their lives and through their lives to others around them. Lord, bless us, Lord, as we try and do that today. Amen.